Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Bree. And today we have the wonderful Pippa Roscoe returning for another episode with us. And we are so happy to have her. Pippa, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm really looking forward to this chat. Um, as I was just saying, you two are the first people who've read my book, so I can't wait to hear what you think. So we can awesome skip all the lovely introductions, although I'm really excited about everyone listening. But actually, I think we just, I just need feedback right now. <laughs> I mean, we could just end the podcast and just say it was fucking great. But, it was you know, amazing. Yes. Done. We can go get drinks now. No. Yes. <laughs> Stolen from her royal wedding. Tell our listeners, since I mean, we've read it, but you share what the book is about and then we'll get into details. So this is book two in the Royals of Sardia trilogy. And I always have problems with what, what this book is about. And you'll ask any author, they'll be like, read the book or I'll just give you the synopsis, which is the book. So we're really bad at describing our own books. <laughs> so this is when I kind of frantically go, I should have written down the back cover copy. For me, Marit, the heroine, is the second princess um, of of the of the trilogy she's she's the youngest and she's most definitely the kind of wayward princess um who is in a situation where she believes that she's going to have to step into her sister's role which requires her to marry and basically produce a spare heir um to the throne and she realizes that her only power in this is to get married before she has to step up so that she can choose her own husband. Yes. Um, but her brother has other ideas and he's found out about what's happening and he sends Lycos, who is a Greek billionaire, to basically steal her from her planned wedding. Um, and then he has to keep her busy. So she, so he has to kind of keep her with him for, for about five days. And she is having none of it um, and is definitely planning to give Lycos a run for his money. So it's, it's, it's fun. Hijinks and drama that's what I like and it was wonderful so I I love how this book started out it's you know Merit's getting ready for the wedding and everything that is to a, a just an old friend of hers and literally the door is like kicked in after she hears a ruckus outside her room and and it's this this Greek man and well it's just it's just a classic over the shoulder kidnapping like caveman situation <laughs> I love and I'm just, an I'm just loving kidnapping. it yeah. <laughs> I I was I was just enthralled from chapter one. It was so like such an exciting way to start off the book. Yeah, oh, fantastic. I mean, I loved it. I mean, Lycos is actually. I was thinking about this. I think my first categorically romance podcast was while I was writing the last in the Diamond Inheritance series, which yes. has Lycos in it. And I'm ninety <laughs> percent sure I said to you, I'm a bit worried because I'm more interested in the best friend than I am in the hero. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the best friend. And I fell in love with Lycos when I was like thinking way back then and knew that I had to write his story and couldn't think of anything that, you, you know, there's something so presents about a hero kidnapping a ruin on a wedding day. Uh, yes, we want to ask you more on that later, but continue. Yeah. I'm um, like just tearing up, just thinking about 
freaking like is it i was saying lycos excuse me is it how do you say it lycos well i say it lycos but then i'm english and you know not greek and okay. until my greek friend would be like hmm, i'm not sure it's actually even a word or a name okay. like, i could have just <laughs> very country american so yeah <laughs> for any greek listeners out there i apologize but oh my god i mean i don't i I want to hear you continue to talk about him, but oh my God, I love him. And, okay, keep talking because there's just so much and I'm like tearing up thinking um, about it. So yeah, I just, I, I knew that I wanted him to come back and I knew that I wanted him to meet his match because he was so scathing in, in um, Theron's story that um, I was just like, I want to make him pay and... I just, I mean, my one of my favorite scenes is where she steals his wallet and like panics <laughs> and chucks his keys out of the window. <laughs> You're like, okay, it was a bit extreme, but I totally understand. You don't want him to follow you. Fine, chuck the keys. And then he's tracked her down and he's like, oh my God, she's, she's, she's upset because she's a bit worried that she might have actually like damaged his property because she does care. And um, it's when he lies about the keys which were totally destroyed because they landed on the road and were like run over by about 12 cars and he's like oh no they're fine <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> so there was always like surprising to me there was always the, the softer heart of him yeah he's he is an yeah. instinctively very protective character and and that moment was so significant for any for for listeners whenever you finally read the book you'll see but he has a past where that would have been him. Like she essentially pulls a him on him. Yeah. And yeah. he has this moment of like, she just got me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it's it's really funny because I don't always I'm I don't know whether it's a way that I write, I write all all will it all going well. I write quite quickly. And I don't always remember the the lines that that stick that stick out if that makes sense like mm -hmm. Aaron your tweet the other day like when you tweeted about um uh -huh. the, um the, the make me yours line yes and I was like oh my god that's amazing I wrote that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that was me <laughs> like, oh well, that's so like interesting that. because you have so many just oh. deliciously good one-liners I think it was like us frankly he was just like on it like <laughs> Um, I, I think I was channeling something that was that wasn't me. He came fully formed. He's like he was like the you know the babies that are born per, with with their personality. Like uh -huh. that, yeah. is what, that is what he was like. Um, and yeah, no, I loved. I did love that line though. That that like he just had his wallet stolen by a princess was. Yeah, like, I think it was almost <laughs> the kind of the line of the story. Yeah, me. yeah, yeah. Well, Aaron kind of he touched on the beginning, and you know she she chooses she's set everything up to marry Andre because like you said in the in her mind if she's already married for years and years there's been these rules that have kind of you know binded princesses to follow and she's like if I'm already married then I can't I don't have to marry this guy my brother chooses so and I just felt like so much of the book was about power mm. in just so many ways you see this theme of power like Merit feels powerless she's the like she felt like she was dismissed and overlooked as a kid and nobody really took her seriously but she has so much power at the same time I felt like yeah. uh, I mean and then like the romance is forbidden in a way because to 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 Lycos it's like she's a princess and I felt like there's power in that like you're so out of reach to him but like there's this desire so can you talk about like what you enjoy about exploring like royalty and the rules and power I mean 
I feel like presents yeah. the world is just your oyster and you can do whatever. But can you talk about writing that specifically? I, I'm always quite fascinated by the royal dynamic because I think it inherently brings with it a set of rules that normal contemporary doesn't have. You know, uh-huh. the, the, it, it's almost historical in that aspect is that the etiquette and the, the kind of regulation of that of that strata of people or whatever. But it, it implies it's also about duty and and the power that you have within and the responsibility that you have to perform that duty to something that is greater than yourself mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to me that's the attraction of, of, of royalty that yes you can have I mean like I'm not undermining a billionaire you can have a billionaire and you can have a billionaire heroine and they are completely different stories but um to me it's the the aspect about royalty is that it does come very specifically with sacrifice and self-sacrifice and Lycos has been in a position where through his childhood through the things that have happened to him as he's grown older he's become selfish in a, in a way because he has in a way from self-protection like he's had to yes. be selfish in his mind to protect himself and and in at the beginning you could argue that Merit has a sense of selfishness she is going to marry someone of her own choice that's her decision and she knows that it is not a royal advantageous marriage that her husband wants that her sorry that her brother that's weird brother wants not husband yeah. <laughs> um, her brother's setting all this up he's yeah. the king <laughs> So there is, I always love the, 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 tr- the transition from selfishness to selflessness. And I think that was a story that both of both Merit and Lycos had to go on. And for Lycos, his selfishness turns into selflessness when he's ready to let her go. And her selfishness, exactly the same, transitions when he's re- when she's when Merit's ready to let him go for the sake of her country. And there is something aspirational about that, like the kind of the love that we know is true and honest and transformative. And they've both been transformed by their the love of each other and they know that they can still carry on you know there's quite often the moment in the story that we call the black moment of a normal romance is is quite often antagonistic and quite angry it's like I'm not ready to yeah I'm not ready to admit that I love you so I'm gonna hurt you it's that kind of and it's a self-hurt like it's there's many ways of doing it but the thing that I saw in both Merit's story and even Freya's story was that kind of I really wanted that sense of I cannot do what I'm supposed to do and love you I have to I have to let you go and I thought and that I don't know that captured something in me these for these specific two books that I was like I wanted crying I wanted like sob fests from readers I wanted like holding (laughs) back tears now because you're talking about it and I can still hear her saying I can't be one of those people that tells you I love you and walk away like everybody else has oh my god oh my god I'm getting goosebumps (laughs) I can show you (laughs) so weird I'm getting goosebumps myself anyway you wrote the book right <laughs> um but yeah. i have a quote can i have yeah. can i read my because you you mentioned the scene and i'm like is this the scene so i think this is this is end of chapter nine he looked down at her and the words sat on her tongue waiting for her to speak them waiting for her to tell him that she loved him but she couldn't she just couldn't be another person who claimed they loved him and walked away so instead she kissed him with all the words that she couldn't say she kissed him with such passion here i go i'm tearing up that the crowd around them began to laugh and whistle and smiling into one last 
last kiss, Lycos took her home. And I was like, <laughs> oh you know, that was that moment where they were like, okay, we, lo- I love you, yeah. but I can't, I can't do you like that. Like I can't yeah. be somebody else. It hurts you. It was, it's so good. Oh, I'm so you. upset with you. <laughs> In the best way possible. Aaron, Aaron wanted to talk kidnapping. Didn't you want to talk kidnapping? Yes. I'm so. Always- like in a, obviously in a safe environment with yes, right, with, right, within the pages of a romance, right? <laughs> so you were on a, a live show on Lucy Monroe's YouTube channel with about like 10 other Presents Modern Authors. And the consensus between almost all of you was like, there's nothing like a good kidnapping. So can, can that may or may not have had something to do with it. Like I, I can't remember when that conversation came in relation to the, to the writing because... But I think, you know, for world events, you know, the last few years have been a bit chaotic uh-huh. in my mind. Um, but yeah, there's, there is something about a presents kidnap. I mean, I'm not sure <laughs> I'd put it up, put up with it from very many places. And, and mm-hmm. the wonderful thing about presents is that the drama is so high and it's so fantastical. Obviously, there are things that happen within the pages that you would never consent to or entertain in, in like real life. Or even many other contemporary romances, to be fair. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think it's, for me, it's the hero thinks that he's the one that's got the power. He'll come in, grab the woman, put her over his arm, and then, like, he will come to realise that she's stuck in his side. She is the thorn now. Like, it's not, he walks in and he's upended her life, and little does he know that actually she is about to upend his. It's the, the ultimate kind of, like, you think one thing and, like, pull the rug, and it's a completely different thing. Um, but also, there's something really sexy about a really hot man coming up and just, like, throwing you <laughs> over his shoulder. <laughs> As a single lady, I'm not I'm not inviting it, but like there, you know, I didn't quite understand it until I read Cresley Cole's Kiss of the Demon King, where that that gender um dynamic was reversed and the heroine kidnapped the hero <laughs> and kept him literally in chains for like a good portion of the book. And oh my God, I'm just like there is I'm this... already trying to work out whether I can do that in a presence. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sure. I love the drama and I love like getting inspired by conversations with other authors and present sources and covers. Oh my God, can we just take a moment to pause and just shout out the Harlequin Art Department recently? Like, what? Oh my God. We were just talking yes. about that. Like, I mean, it's oh insane. my God. Yeah, yeah. Um, They've been are, so gorgeous. Yeah, there were things. All the like- escape. Like, I want to go somewhere so bad. And the covers lately on presents with the beautiful, like, Abby Greens is oh, in like yeah. Rio. I mean, they are just stunning. And I'm like, I need this right They're now. Just absolutely stunning. So I'm really happy with them. Um, and just, and, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I could write that story. And you don't have to read the back. You don't have to read yeah. the back of the title. You're like, I want to write the story that they've made. And that's. I love that because I find inspiration from silly things like photographs or, a, or, a, or an advert or a conversation or, yeah. and I'm looking at all these presents covers and I'm like, I want to write that story. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing y'all, <laughs> one thing that both of you guys kind of touched on that I wanted to, I took note of, I'm like looking at my notes too, is kind of how the presents hero and in, in our 
case Lycos, you definitely see it, realizes like, again, going back, back to power, who really has the power in this situation? And one of the quotes I wrote, he says, everything I've done, everything I've achieved, earned, worked for, everything I have, it was all for nothing. And here I go tearing up again. What on earth are you talking about? They're on demanded as if Lycos was, was mad. I wasn't enough for her. And I feel like when we chatted yeah. with Maisie Yates, she said that is the presence hero. He has all the money in the world, but it does not matter if he cannot have the girl. And I was like, that that's Lycos in this book. Yeah, and I think it's a really, I think it's a, an important answer to the question of how bad we can make a presence hero. Like you could argue that the behavior is autocratic it is problematic he kidnaps her um he then like literally like basically keep kidnaps her for like five days has i mean admittedly he's following her around she is like around yeah. i mean um, she's buying she ice cream for kids yeah, and... and she, she yeah. does have a, a passport which i was gonna <laughs> i had to tweet at some point because i was a bit confused and i forgot and i was like oh my god how's she gonna get like london and anyway yeah so there were passport practicalities that I had to think of. Um, so she has her freedom. But, you know, I love the, I, I like to see how far I can push my heroes. When I first started writing, I thought I would write the really intense, dark and twisty heroes. Apparently not so much. Like, I mean, I, I go there, but I do not. I mean, there's many amazing authors, um, you know, Caitlin Cruz, Maisie Yates, Jackie Ashenden. Like they, they, they can go, I think, up a little bit darker than I thought I could, which was fascinating to me to learn about myself as a writer. But I think you have to have the weakness and the weakness is always going to be the heroine. And it doesn't matter how loud or how powerful or how autocratic or how manipulative or how dark they've been, they will always um buckle to the heroine um i was trying to think of that quote what is it sir walter riley like takes off his takes off his cape for queen one of the queens i can't remember anyway but it's it's like he will literally lie down in a puddle to prevent her getting her foot wet we're talking about that much like power uh -huh. the the kind of that's a really odd example i'm really sorry i don't know <laughs> <laughs> like there are much more eloquent ways of putting it but the the heroine is the weakness the anchor that the thing that ties him like it is the She's the anchor in his heart and nothing else matters. And I think, but in order to make that as powerful, he does need to have the strength or, uh, and the drive that has driven him to the heights that he already is at. So, Can you talk about the scene where... Uh, they're in the park and he sees this kid that's pickpocketing pickpocketing and Merritt doesn't really she's aware of what is going on but not really aware at the same time but we as a reader are aware can you talk about that scene like because she he doesn't explain well he does tell her eventually like I was that kid yeah why did we need that scene I love that scene but I just want to hear you talk about that scene it's <sighs> I don't, I'm not sure if I was, I'm not sure if I can't, there are scenes that I'll write that I'll be like, we need this scene, we need that scene. I'm not sure when I was planning it, the pip, the, the kid pickpocket was in it, okay. in, my, in my thoughts of like, these are significant scenes. Uh -huh. But I did want him to see the kind of, it's the reverse almost of there for the grace of God go I, you know, like... Uh, this is the other way. It's like, this was the kid, That that is who I could be, that's, how I treat this boy will shape who he becomes as a man and I will not take advantage of that. And I will let him have it because he was good and he lifted my wallet from my pocket without me noticing there's a kind of, there's a kindness and a, an exclusivity in that club between him and this kid. And I, I, I think it was 
it, it was a kindness that was not done to him by his dad, put it uh -huh. that way. Like, yeah. and it was a way to kind of access reflections on that without it being hugely expositional. And it also was important to see Marit's reaction to yeah. the kids yeah. for him and for us, for the reader. Like, yes, her natural instinct is should we do something should we call the police because that is the right thing to do conceivably but Lycos did not lose anything that was integral to him and in fact he already took out what was important to him knowing yeah. that he'd been spotted so he knew he wasn't losing anything of value I, this is a very strange conversation because I'm describing it in the kind of detail that means that you have to have read it to, to know <laughs> what um, but... I promise this isn't a spoiler guys we're not <laughs> no, doing it's really not. they end up together yeah. in the end you know <laughs> <laughs> I guess when I was reading it and, and Aaron shared with me like your experience, I was like, this feels more like it's for us mm. to to kind of the beginning stages of softening Lycos. Like he you could tell like he wasn't a dark, dark brooding hero, but he was pretty dark and you you kind of figured, okay, this came from somewhere. And so that scene when I read it, I was like, Oh man, you do have a soft spot. You know, yeah. but and then it's yeah. really when he tells Merritt, I was that kid, that it kind of came full circle yeah and, and if, there was always going to be that moment for me with my heroes that for me the, I don't think a hero I couldn't write a hero that didn't have that weakness that vulnerability and that softness um but I can also only I also enjoy writing it most when it is diametrically opposed by his behavior at the beginning of the story um like Nalini Singh does that like you've never like she just bashes that out of the park like the real <laughs> kind of hardcore alpha but with that kind of protective family orientated thinking particularly of the side changing series but yeah I think I'm, that was a really important thing to me and it was it's also it's also hard because you you want to do that authentically in a way I mean I know it's still kind of the high drama but you don't want to be you know I don't know. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I thought I thought it worked very well because when you, when we're introduced to him, he's like he's not a soldier of fortune or anything like that, but he was someone that he wanted what he wanted so bad he was willing to stoop to kidnapping to get it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And, and he was he, driven and that is yeah. the thing there is a motive behind the kidnapping and it's not just because someone said tell me next right right yeah but um, it's almost like he convinced himself through his lifetime of being all you know looking out for himself alone because no one else was going to that he convinced himself he was this this darker person than he actually was but you know it just that took is merit so just, true you know, tapping on the yeah. glass to shatter it all you know? yes absolutely i yes. mean it's it's funny because i was i always saw them like theron and like us as like um the characters from oh why is my brain not working um fagan fagan um Please, sir, can I have some more? Um, oh, uh, Oliver Twist? Yeah, it's Oliver Twist, sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Being a brain blank of like the <laughs> Like so yeah so Oliver Twist and who was the other the kid that was the friend who actually sidelined with Fagin a bit more I, I have I have to admit I've but, like, that, it, was, but... that was those two um in my mind and um that he had to build up this darker persona to protect himself and that only with Mar Marek can he really be his authentic self was really important yeah the more that I have Read when we when we talked with Amanda and we were talking about Lynn Graham and she said that Lynn Graham's heroes always get it wrong about the heroine mm -hmm. and Lycos gets it so wrong about Merritt. I mean, yeah. to him, she's a spoiled princess. 
not knowing that there's so much more to her than than that. Like, I don't even think it's, I don't even think that's her. But he also gets so much wrong about himself too. Mm, yeah. You know, and I think, like you said, it comes from that protectiveness and that I have to be a certain way. And he had to protect, he really did have to protect himself. His dad was mean, his mom just kind of dropped him off. But he, you see him get it wrong about himself too. And like, you see in this book, the moment where like that light switches on and he's, he, there's a scene where she's like, you look so much more relaxed. And I'm like, we got him. We got yeah. him. <laughs> it is. And it's, he's been fighting. Yeah, I see that, that kind of, he has been fighting for so long. And also, I love that, that kind of prejudices he had about her were as strong as the ones he had about himself. Um, and ha- sort of, but also the prejudice that he experienced as you know as a billionaire having come from the streets or at least that he experiences within the social circle that's set up in the story like um with the kind of evil evil character i love bringing out an evil character every now and then like you know one that's actually not going to be redeemed is actually even more fun than the one that's going to be redeemed because you're like he could just be really really evil So I feel like the stakes, she asks him, like, what's in it for you? He's like, I return you to your brother unwed. And in exchange, I get his shares in Love Industries. Can you talk about writing stakes? Like when you're in the beginning stages where you how how are you like, OK, this feels strong enough? So I I think it it has to work on several levels, um, like the emotional stake, the practical stake, and the what like the world stake, if that makes sense. So you like what's emotionally at risk for this character, and all of that ties into motivation for me. Like, what is his motivation for kidnapping her? It has to be under it has to be strong enough to him for the readers not to think, okay, now I'm just shutting the book because I don't like you because you're just kidnapping someone. Um, so it has to be kind of a threat on a, prof- like for, for, for Lycos specifically, it was obviously a threat on a threat on a kind of, not so much like a, like a threat on a, practical level in terms of his business like he wouldn't be broke or destitute but he'd lose something that would affect his ego and his ego is the emotional threat so the physical the kind of practical threat impacts on the emotional so there is that's important to me um for every character and i think in in the same sense that Marit had her youth orchestra that she was really invested in that was impacted by having to step up she'd have to let that go and she didn't want to let that go because she was emotionally attached to what that meant to her and being able to see that through um so in in i feel like i do consciously work on those like like when i set up a character so it's less i suppose it is what is at stake just rephrased in a different way and kind of accessed in a different way because it has to come from me from motivation okay so stakes is wrapped up with kind of the goals and the motivation part of yeah. the whole goal motivation conflict we're always hearing about <laughs> yeah I mean it's really funny I really I should read that book <laughs> <laughs> I mean I understand the principles um okay and I and I do always have like what is the goal in the story what is the motivation and what is the emotional conflict so I know how I address it I just haven't read that book so I don't know if I'm accidentally stealing or repeating anything that everyone knows um but those are the kind of tenants that i think you need to have to drive action through a story with pace with emotional integrity and with interest i do like i mean i think i probably like a bit more plot than most presents um you'll see because i like i like how that for me affects the pace it gives a bit more drive for me um, to match the emotions. She yeah, says with that. all of her complicated trilogy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, concept concept like, stories. 
Well, so mentioning your trilogies, you so this one ties into the Diamond Inheritance one. And and was that when did that become a plan or, or had you always planned to connect uh, these stories together? So interestingly, I, after finishing the Diamond Inheritance trilogy, I wanted to write Lycos' story. And I had the kind of early frames. I knew that I wanted him to kidnap someone on their wedding day. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember why. He was just like, oh, that's my plan. I'm sticking to it. And I was like, okay, so then how do we... Like, what wedding is she walking away from? Sorry, what wedding is she being dragged away from? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, why did she want it? And in my head, I also knew that I needed her to be willing to do it again at the end. The yeah. symmetry, like, uh-huh. I knew I knew that he, she would have to be willing to marry someone and I wanted him to come back again. Like, I almost wanted, like, a, the repeat of the opening to happen at the end. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, well, what woman in their right mind in this current day and age would actually do that twice? <laughs> I don't understand. Um, and the only way I could make it work was to make, the only way I could think to make it work was to have her be royal and be duty bound to, to this marriage. Mm-hmm. There are obviously millions of other ways to do it. I was just, you know, that was in my head that time. Um, and then I got a phone call from my editor who asked me if I wanted to be part of the Jet Set Billionaires series. I have been March. so confused because is this part of that series? So the first book is... Snowbound is. Snowbound is part of the Jet Set Billionaire. Like, okay. Like, it was, okay. it's a month where they just, where, where the books are in incredible locations. And I think Jade, Jade Sola's book is part yeah. of it. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Pippa's book and hers? And what's going on? I thought Pippa's book was part of a trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, admittedly, I didn't really, like, I didn't help matters by making it. <laughs> I'm going to give you what you want, but it's also going to be part of my want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I was like, well, that's not like us. And so, I, so basically my editor called me up and said, would you be interested in writing a book set in the kind of Scandinavia area? And I was like, yes, I would. But that's not like us. Like, he's not going to go to Scandinavia. I mean, like, he has a hard enough time with like Norfolk. <laughs> he's not going to go somewhere cold. Um, and so I, I had to put a pin in Lycos and Marit, which was really hard. I hate doing that because I like yeah. running on the momentum that you get when you're working on one particular story. But I did think, actually, this could really help the royal situation that I've got going on with Marit, with the heroine from book two. So then I was just able to free fall with like Snowbound. I mean, like if you're going to get a book set in Scandinavia, this better be Snowbound. Like, you know, oh, yeah. you want a cabin, you want snow, you want maximum a bed one. Like at best, you're better off with just like a sofa and a table. <laughs> like I was just really, and then I was like, no, Pepper, you're writing and presents. You can't really like. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was kind of really taught. I was, it was a, very fun line to walk between glamour for that particular book um and and like what I really want like that kind of isolated cabin in the woods type thing um that book felt like the fairy tale in a land far far away like that is what Freya's romance felt like for real (laughs) it's it's just them too And that was another thing, like it was so contained, that book was so contained that I was like, Lycos, we better get the hell out of here. I was like, right, we're going to Italy, we're going to go to Greece, we're going to go to London, we're going to go to Svadia, we're going to go everywhere. So I had like real fun moving them around after the kind of very close proximity of the previous one. Yeah, there was a big juxtaposition between the the settings of the the two stories there. (laughs) 
That's so cool. And I love hearing that like Merit's story really came to you before Freya's. Yeah. I th- it sometimes happens like that. It hasn't, it doesn't always like, unfortunately, I keep, keep terrorizing my editor and being like, I will write a standalone <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> Sorry that they're all linked. Um, so it's, it, it just, the, it happened one other time and I can't remember what it was. I think it was before Diamond Inheritance. It was something. Uh, it was um, Taming the Big Bag Billionaire. That was another because that was for a series. That was for the fairy tales series that Harlequin mm-hmm. produced, like that year. Um, so that again, like slightly interrupted one of the stories I wanted to write. But yeah, it's fun. I think once you've had one, I'm, I'm quite like that. Once I've had an idea and I can see how something works, then I have I have to see it through and I have to like even even sometimes to the detriment. You know, when you're like you, you can take a step back, you can change things. Nope, this is how it works. Yeah. This is how it's gonna be. <laughs> You, like, just hearing you speak earlier about how, like, your readers will put something you wrote and you're like, oh, I wrote that. Like, there were things that Lycos, I'm I'm an internalizer too, so I can just, um, I could feel his emotions of, like, when Merit says, I will always go back. And then him also playing with his mom said, the only way I'll be safe is if he can never use you against me again. So don't go look for me. Don't come for me. And like, he just internalized those. So like, did you, were those like random or were you like, he needs to have, there needs to be something that he internalizes that like plays with his mind and like becomes what he believes. Like the reason why I can't do this thing. Yeah. I think that that is very intentional. I do, I really like playing with like truisms, slightly potentially different from a character's like truth. But when Merritt says to him, I will always go back, that is a truth. She will mm-hmm. always go back and it doesn't matter what happens. And I like that because I think when at the beginning when I was first sort of writing, I was very much into a complete change from one state to another. Whereas actually what I've liked like in the last few books, I've been exploring with keeping keeping the change but having a truth that will not change because that is a fundamental character trait that represents who they are. And Merritt might kick and scream and and do want to do things her way and might not be the perfect royal but she will always go back because she is a good one um and for for him when his mum walked away like he had to build his life around not going to look for her because otherwise what would that mean what would that mean about him as a son what would that mean about him what would that mean about her like what would he find when he found her there was that, that that emotional line that you have to tell yourself that dominates your whole kind of attitude towards your mother and like women in general like mm-hmm. um it's the impact isn't it there's kind of real point like pivotal specific turning points that shape our beliefs about love or about life or about relationships mm-hmm. um yeah can i have you touch on something so yeah. i think I'm, I'm guessing that this is going to be a dynamic in the royals trilogy but in snowbound we have Freya who's dealing with all of what she's dealing with and her perception of how that's going to affect Merit is just kind of like well she'll be fine she'll adapt she always adapts to everything and and kind of a, a misunder well not so much misunderstanding there but just a an assumption of of how she's going to uh to take things but then when we come to this story and we have Merit and she's almost doing the same thing and it's like oh Freya has no problems at all she's perfect at what she does everyone loves her 
And so there's there's just this kind of sibling thing that they're they are close, but they have such a fundamental misunderstanding of each other. And you're you're being extremely cruel with what you're doing with Alexander, let me just say, because (laughs) I wanna hate him so bad sometimes. But then he'll do these things as well that'll make me step back and think. But I'll tell you what, I wanted Lycos to physically assault him. At one point I was like, I don't care if he's the king, just do it. When he storms out and slams the door, I was like, just go back in there. But then I was like, hold up. He changed things for me in the last book. What are we going to do this time? <laughs> so. Yeah, I love I, the sibling dynamic. Was, I mean, I, like I've got a brother and a sister and I, I love how our relationship. I mean, my relationship massively changed with my sister when I moved up here. I've always like adored her because she's an icon she's my style she's the most unbelievably glamorous person just at all times and her house is like a pinstagram page i cannot even tell you like it's just too much um i love her completely she's amazing and my brother and i used to fight so much i mean my sister's seven years older so me and my brother are very close for only about 18 months and i mean like we had some like bad bad times as siblings and now like he's I, I want them up here. I want them in my life. I want I want to live on a commune with my siblings in, in a way that honestly I never thought I would. Um, my my brother has just become a dad, and seeing him become a dad has been like the most incredible thing. My little baby brother is having you know he's got his own little baby, and it's all just he's the most adorable dad I've seen. I mean, obviously I'm biased, but what I love about sibling relationships is that is the transformation that happens when you get older it's like you go from that sibling rivalry hopefully you've worked on your emotional development a bit more and like you know you've gone to therapy for a bit or you've done your thing or whatever you're not living in the same house anymore um and I think for me these siblings were on the cusp of a greater understanding and a greater relationship and that was important to me like I wanted them to be at not quite dysfunctional levels but like not a happy not 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 united and not really secure in their relationship like Alexander for various reasons has withdrawn completely emotionally from both his sisters and but he also you get that kind of awkward like there's the the level of royalty comes back into play because there's Mm. so much duty on them to be the perfect royals individually but also like a, a an amazing family unit um whereas I wanted this to kind of chart the progression very slowly of how like they find peace with themselves with those that they love and with their siblings yeah I'm glad that you said that because that's what I was I was thinking I feel like the duty part in a way it feels like it takes some of the emotion out of being a sibling you know like Mm -hmm. this is work this is what we have to do these for hundreds of years this is how it's worked And you just know that you're like prepping for that. Like every day your life is kind of prepping for that. But there's the scene when she sends a voice message to Freya at the end. I was just like a sobbing mess because I'm like, I love my sisters and I can't imagine this type. But like you said, it it comes eventually. You see it eventually. But I I loved, there were so many scenes where with Merit, you humanized her. I don't know, when I think of royalties, you think of the people you see on the magazines and on 
the TV mm. and you don't know what their favorite book is or what their favorite food is. My favorite part about Merit was that like, she's like, okay, duty's happening. I'm going to do this. But before there are, I have a checklist of things. Mm. And I just loved how normal they felt. Like dance until my feet hurt. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. So where did that come from? Um, I think a lot of places we've, I, I, I was, I don't want to say this is going to sound like I completely ripped it off and I really didn't. Um, a very long time ago, I read this, a wonderful story by Carol Marinelli. Um, and I cannot remember the title because I'm terrible with titles. And I'm 99% sure it was Carol Marinelli, who is an amazing writer anyway. She is absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous presents writer. Um, and she'd had a, a, a heroine who very similarly, she knew she was going to get married, but she wanted to do the normal things. And that always kind of fascinated me. And of course, you know, I'm not going to deny we, we've, we've got the whole Harry and Meghan thing going on in the background in the UK and what is royal and a lot of questions about how we perceive royalty but also people in power at the moment you know and the preconceptions that we have I think about are there are so many things that I'm trying not to say that could potentially <laughs> cause a ruckus pro-royals and not pro-royals so I'm like you know okay um but I'm I've always been fascinated behind the kind of the what you can't see what 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 is the public and what is the private persona and that's for everyone it doesn't matter whether you're royal or you're a billionaire or you're you know anyone my public face is very different from my personal from the from the face that is mine at home when no one can see me which normally involves me lying on the sofa and eating copious amounts of crisps and and chocolate so that's fine but I've always been fascinated about, and I think that you picked up on it, is this This is a book about preconceptions. It's like you think he is this rich, suave billionaire, but actually he's from the streets. And you think that she is this kind of completely petulant, childish, spoiled, young princess. And actually she's just a girl who never found her feet and was never able to find her feet because her parents refused to let her be authentic to herself, basically. And that, ha- I, for me, that is a fascinating tension in any character that I write the difference between the public persona and 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 the, the real kind of private person. Well, my last like book specific question, which kind of goes off of that, was Merritt has a strong love of music and yes. a desire to create an inner city youth orchestra. It was something she could never walk away from, even though her parents ignored it, dismissed it. It's not happening. So, what inspired that? Was there a specific inspiration for it? Uh, I knew that I needed to give her something because. I didn't want her to to be this to actually genuinely be like this spoiled like wayward princess. Like I I wanted to give her something like, and I think there's always quite a creative element in most of my heroines. Like I remember the the um, oh my god I can't remember the names of my own books. Um, <laughs> um, you know, there's like you know one's a painter or one's a musician. Mm-hmm. Or there's that there 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 has to be I, I, one of my questions that I always ask myself is like, what did they want to be when they grew up? And she's never been able to be anything other than a princess which is most people's dreams like that's what they want to be when they grow up but music was something that I kind of wanted to bring into her as much as I could I mean I used to play the piano I mean I can't remember half of what I used to play but my mum's just started to learn the piano now recently it's just there's like aspects of music and um I when I had my Greek boyfriend all those years ago um got really quite into Rebecca music and may I just put a caveat and say any mistakes about the music are totally my own and absolutely not anyone else's I Um, loved it I was like this sounds like the way they're describing it is like is it the blues 
it's it, it's a kind of I suppose it would be, but it doesn't sound like the blues. It's not nothing okay. like we like American blues, but it it it's the kind of blues equivalent. Okay. Um, but it's fantastic. I mean, like it's stunning, stunning music, and it, it's something that I like very much enjoyed and enjoy and sort of sit there with my 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 vines on my ceiling when I'm making my own Greek my hummus and being really stereotypically <laughs> involved in my. <laughs> But um, yeah, I think I, I wanted that kind of music, musical element to run through the story for her. That's how she kind of sees the world, but how she was never able to express herself within it. Does that make yeah. sense? I mean, I just think like what teen girl, and I'm sure for teen boys as well, but like we just love music. Like yeah. your, your yeah. whole life can be defined by like a mixtape of songs you taped off the radio. So just like knowing that she had that love of music and like he takes her to that little pub down, like down in the basement of this building. And it, I'm like, is this like an old speakeasy? Like, I just, <laughs> Yeah, that was when I saw it. It was really cool. Like I really enjoyed that. And I had a friend of mine who is Greek, who I wouldn't, who she, Stella always reads every single one of my books before my editor or, or at the same time. She's the only person I will let do it. No one else will do it. She's very forgiving. Um, and she's very, very helpful when it comes to Greek translations. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, the music, I was really, it, it was it was something that she could do that was for herself that she hadn't been allowed to do. Yeah. Yeah. I just, oh, I, I loved these two books and, and I'm, I'm itching for number three because I, I need to get inside Alexander's head. Oh my God. Like, I'm not even that. ready, but I'm ready. <laughs> I'm yeah. ready. Oh my God. I hope it lives up to the, to the expectation. <laughs> one, right? Cause I mean, Freya's book is intense on an entirely different level. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then you get to book, you, there's something about your book too. It's like your romantic fun siblings are usually your book too it's so funny to say that <laughs> I was thinking exactly the same thing about the diamond inheritance it's like but one sets everything up quite well um, and then I'm like oh my god I need some light you know I like shrug into the like no we let's get some humor into book two and then let's just you know and I, I don't know I felt a little bit like uh, I think uh, I feel a little bit like I could have done more in the diamond inheritance story conclusion it's really funny such a funny feeling anyway so I was like I'm not having that this time we're going big and we're going home we're gonna end on a high it's gonna be amazing <laughs> <laughs> I haven't uh, I haven't finished the Diamond Inheritance trilogy yet, but I, I was absolutely tickled to see Summer um, and you know their their baby and everything and her her whole freak out when she realized that a princess was at her house. And <laughs> <laughs> that was that was really funny. Yes, I could you imagine like genuinely? Could you imagine like okay, fine, you've got a billionaire husband, but there's a princess in your house. <laughs> what do you do? Me, right? <laughs> Are the good tales out? Like I. Don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god the hoovering alone like it's just <laughs> what are you writing presents now like we, we we had a chat recently about some older presents mm-hmm. and it's interesting to see like what we're getting from presents now and presents now feel like I have been on a presents kick and I think it's because for one I mean the books are so good there's that that fairy tale that I just love but like we're getting a lot of traveling in the books and I feel yeah. like did they subconsciously know that I needed to travel somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> or are we just subconsciously desperate to travel? I mean, like, it's, it's definitely, like, I would say having been, conf- like, obviously having been confined through the lockdowns has definitely impacted our stories. And 
probably like across the board beyond presents as well I would imagine but international destinations has always been an aspect of presents but I think we've really ramped it up leaned into um, it because I'm like I was like the jet set billionaires they know yeah. I want a jet set somewhere like yeah. what's going on I didn't um, do a survey but they know what I need to read like take every single destination yeah and I think if you if, if you look at the kind of the lead-in time to when that's published to when that was being written I think they probably would have been being written kind of around that kind of towards the like just after the first like after the the lockdown got in good you know the first lockdown and you're like this isn't going away this isn't the two weeks that everyone thought it would be this you know there this is the new normal oh my god get me out <laughs> let's go yeah to be a part of such amazing company that you know that that month that lineup is like that month's lineup is insane and I was really honored to be with those other authors and um that was just great and I've like I've always loved Scandinavia and would desperately book tickets to go there but the one that I'm writing now is set in Spain and I had been in Spain about sort of like September, October last year and I was like ah this is happening we're just doing Spain like I'm gonna this is gonna be so Spanish like I just that is like my dream <laughs> destination yes yeah <laughs> and it, it was it was one of those you know like really want to embrace it that was I mean I still think it was kind of bizarre that I managed to set one in Norfolk like of all of the places that you could ever set a presence I think Norfolk was like the hardest to sell like it should never have happened <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I do to my editor I swear I'm like um so it's set in Norfolk <laughs> and uh, my next one yeah he's not actually a billionaire he's a soldier <laughs> and, um, I had to make Paul Hannah I had to make a check about twice that the presents team were okay with it because I was like I don't believe that they're okay with it I was like you do you did notice that he wasn't a billionaire I'm just checking yeah <laughs> it is okay that he's a soldier right because she's a warrior, I so thought it warrior. was I thought it was by <laughs> um but yeah the destinations that's been a kind of it's always been a very strong aspect of presents but it's definitely coming out more I think more, which is no great loss like I just finished Amanda Sinelli's um and the the billionaire's last minute marriage which yeah. we can talk about in a second because that was just amazing but set in Japan and I'm like oh my god is it Japan or Hong Kong I got, sorry you I knew where it was two minutes ago <laughs> I was like it is Japan and I was like I want to be on that train <laughs> like I'm practically hyperventilating working out how quickly I can sell my house so I can afford to be on that train <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> just stunning stunning destinations and I, like, I'm thinking about it. Like her first book in that series was a stolen inner wedding gown type. And I'm like, I feel like you see a lot of jilted at the altar books, but I want to see more stolen, like at the <laughs> wedding scene books. Like, let's make this happen. So my question to you: jilted at the altar tends to be from the male point of view. Stolen tends to be from the female point of view. So I'm, I'm wondering whether that's the that's the there's a dynamic in there that's interesting or. I just need a heroine that's like, yeah, I realized last minute I don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Because I feel like we'd be too hurt if it was a heroine standing there and like, the hero never showed up. I, do you know, I think, what was it? Um, I had one where I, where I really wanted to push it and I think it was, oh God, what one was it? I don't know, like she's standing at the altar and she's about to think that he doesn't, he's not coming and then like the doors smash open and he falls through and I can't, <laughs> 
sorry that I can't remember which one it was um <laughs> but um yeah that kind of that would, it would be awful wouldn't it okay so <laughs> wrapping up this series how mm. are you feeling about Alexander's book so I mean I love it I'm quite happy with it I'm, I'm more happy with it than than I than I was a bit worried that I would feel like it's quite hard to maintain the energy all the way through to the third book yeah like, I'm finding it so I'm gonna try okay. and maybe do some duets in the future because he's like he's such a key player like in all of the books yeah I'm just like I imagine that being a lot of pressure for you like okay now it's time to do his well it's really funny because actually I was able to finish it before um the first book came out so I hadn't I wow. didn't have oh, the wow. pressure of anyone having read it. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to do <laughs> Alexander now. Like, it's probably great. Okay. Um, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to you guys reading that one. I like oh, it. I'm, I'm so happy. excited. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's, it's really funny because I think there's some big aspects that are dealt with in these stories Freya has infertility and I know that that's a difficult a difficult read for authors for, for readers sometimes um you have like beyond beyond personal sensitivity you've got the kind of classical what we what we perceive as a pro- as a happy ever after some people do not conceive do not believe a happy ever after is complete unless they have kids and I f- I find that a difficult one because I find that exclusive of people who choose not to have kids or people who yeah. can't have kids yeah, and I think that there's a lot like there isn't enough sensitivity around that because I love saying that I love seeing that, especially with a royal, because yeah. we just, you kind of assume, okay, your job as a princess is to, you know, just marry and have it. kids. Well, what it, if part of your duty you can't do? Yeah. And that, I mean, that was an important dynamic. And in some respects, it was, um, it, it, it comes back again differently in, in book three. And it, it's, I, I mean... It might not be to everyone. It might be not to everyone's cup of tea, but I very much hope that like I've I've handled everything sensitively enough. But I wanted to be able to have these conversations in in our romances, and for there still to be a romantic sense, like you still yeah. like it's still the happy ever after, and it is still two people very much in love, and and family is there. Um, but it is an interesting dynamic for me, and I I want to be able to have these. I want to be able to have these characters and still have their happy ever after valid. Everybody's happy oh, yeah. ever after looks different. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that, I thought it was perfect. I was like, but- we need to see this more often <laughs> because I, everybody knows someone that struggles with this yeah. and these, they deserve to see themselves on the page yeah. too. And it's, yeah. and it's funny because I think, um, I, I did toy with the idea of actually not having them adopt, but it was such part of, um, Freya's story. So I've just totally given away the end, but yeah. by the time this is out, most people have read it. Moving on. <laughs> they um, end up together okay they end up together yeah, that's the most important thing we just we just ignore the rest um but i remember like one of the reviewers going oh my god it's not cured is it and i used to have this thing about like miracle sex you know like when you have the, the couple and then right yeah a character has an issue and then suddenly they have sex and the, and the issue's gone like it's great um miracle sex um so I, I did i specifically didn't didn't want to do that like this isn't something that can be take like love is very powerful but like no. yeah. anyway sorry I, yeah since you already brought it up i i appreciated that um yeah. you know i i was worried for a little bit but i knew you wouldn't let us down but i'm i'm glad you know sometimes when infertility comes up in romances there's the miracle baby at the end of oh no i actually wasn't infertile which i think is, is pretty insensitive to uh, yeah. you know people I, in the real worlds i can completely understand like why it had happened why it might have happened at the, like a general like a few like 
like a few books a few years ago like in books like there was definitely a period where there was quite a lot of that and I understand that the context of that was about how miraculous true love is and the pa- the real kind of magical power yeah. of true love. But I think I think we're the the context of the the culture that we are in now is hopefully now that we can have those conversations and we can see those in in our books. Yeah. So yeah, that was. So before we get into what you've been reading, I have mm-hmm. to ask. I guess I'll ask two questions. Is there something you haven't done yet, writing-wise, presents-wise, story-wise, romance-writer-wise, that you haven't done that you want to do? No, not so much, because I kind of just I just got to do it. <laughs> like, okay. okay. I mean, I remember, I remember thinking, like, that like if someone had pitched The Diamond Inheritance to me when I was working there, I'm not sure I would have said yes. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm just going to do it. It's fine. I just won't tell anyone I'm doing it. I'll just give them the finished project. <laughs> um, I think I've been really, really lucky with this, with being able to do things like my 24 hour one, where like the first one where every chapter is an hour. And then the fourth book, um, which was the conclusion to the winner's circle, which was a chapter in the present and a chapter in the past. So I had like fun with that. So creatively, like I'm very like, it's, it's, I've, I do tend to just kind of go, if I can see how it works, I'm just going to do it. And no, yeah, like I'm, I'm quite happy. I'm just going to keep doing that until, yeah. see what, see where it gets yeah. me. <laughs> and if someone came and they were like, tell me the one book, if I, they had never read you before, mm. they're like, give me one book to start with. What book of yours would it be? Do you know what? That's really weird because... I think that the write, the the books that I'm writing now are slightly different in tone than the books that I was writing when I first started out. And I think now I would actually say From One Night to Desert Queen. Okay. Why that? Um, but I feel like that that's, like for me, that's that was a really important book just because mainly it got a huge amount of attention, which has been wonderful and mainly thanks to you guys. So cheers for that. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> like, literally both thanks to you guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> but also because... I think that showed me what happens when you push yourself. And I really enjoyed that. Um, but I've loved the Diamond. I've loved the Svadia, the trilogy that I've just finished. Yeah. Um, it's been really fun. Like, yeah, it's been really, really fun and quite emotional, actually. I can oh, imagine. Because yeah. <laughs> I was crying here on the podcast, okay? <laughs> Share with us what you've been reading and enjoying. Oh, really? So I've decided that the best way to do this is to pick the last five books I read and the next five books on my TBR. Oh, that would be nice. yes. Perfect. Like, if you can bear with me through my five books. Um, so I'll start with what, what I'm currently reading. Oh my God, I'm so excited about this book. Um, Jadisola James's The Royal Baby He Must Claim. Holy mother of all things sacred. That is like, her narrative style gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. Like she's like, whew, like, um, as you can see, a gibbering wreck. Like sh- her voice is rich and evocative and decadent and like, and, and just, yeah, really, really good. I really like it. Like, I've got a quote for you because I'm like, this is me doing my homework this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the sparkly dress the heroine like, has on that one. Oh, the my cover. God, the covers. Are yeah. Like, but she's, she, this line from her was, anticipation was building in her gut. 
the sort of nervousness that churns the belly and makes color burn hot beneath the skin. And I'm like, oh man, that's a good line. Like, I'm like, can I just make notes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm like, I must admit, I'm like slightly mad at you two because you have her interrupted mid the first sex scene. So there is that moment. <laughs> as soon as I finish this, I'm going to go back and finish it. No. Um, but I love it. Have you got there yet? Because I think you're reading it, aren't you, Brie? I haven't, I haven't started it yet. You no. haven't started it yet. I, I okay, bought so. it, yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. It's just because I didn't realize that. Does the jet set billionaires need to be read in order or no? Okay, that was what was throwing me off. Yeah, no, I think it's more linked by the theme of jet setting. Okay, okay, like any characters, but uh, I just I can't. I'm like just speechless. I love. I could read her all day. Like, I absolutely love her writing. And before that, I was reading Amanda Tonelli and The Billionaire's Last Minute Marriage, which was, oh my God, just uh, so much fun. Like, uh, the first what? one was intense, so I know this one's going to be intense. <laughs> and this is the hero that got left in the first book, so... <laughs> Well, that's what I was like. Oh my god, I'm gonna have to go back and read the first one now. Um, no, like it was. It's there's something about the way that this is written. It's really kind of passionate and visceral. And like I think Amanda tapped into like the hyper focus from the heroism, the heroine's like autism, mm-hmm. and she's created like this really deep sensory experience in the narrative that's just extraordinary like it's really it's really amazing so you know and she's got a handsome billionaire who throws a handsome billionaire fit (laughs) I I was like I want all of my heroes this is the new thing handsome billionaire fit here um so then before that, I was reading Nalini Singh. Um, so I've started like the Archangels series. So I was reading the Archangels Blade. She is like my comfort read. She's my comfort read. I remember read. you were reading like the side oh, changeling. Did you finish that? <gasps> Completely. Of course I did. Like I finished okay. it in like two months. Like the whole oh, series in two months. <laughs> Not only that, but I went back and started rereading it again at the end of last year. <laughs> there hadn't even been 12 months. There hadn't even been 12 months in between. Like, it was, I think, I, her, the way that she does these alpha men, but with family and honor and protectivity at the heart, like, I'm just, I'm here for that. Like, that's just, give it to me straight in my veins. I'm done. Did I see her name on, like, an old desire? Yes. I feel like I did. Okay. Yes. So she's done, she did, she, she wrote a few desires. Um, I have I haven't read them, but I have absolutely no doubt that they're spectacular. Probably, like, yeah. Can't, I, like, can't see why. Oh, oh, oh! And I finished um, Beverly Jenkins Indigo. <gasps> you did. Oh, I did. What did you think? Oh my god! <laughs> like, apart from the fact that I was crying before we even got to the book, like I was crying. <laughs> yeah. Like it was amazing. Like talk about narrative voice. She is. Like, it's just elevation. It's just elevation. She's just amazing. Miss Bev has just... Did I tell you that I went into Amazon? Sorry, there are other online digital retailers. Into the search part, and I literally wrote Miss Bev. Why does Amazon not know her as Miss Bev? Like, right. yeah. not one of her backlists showing up. It was hilarious. Um, the respect Amazon needs to up their game. Like, I know, they, I know. Like, yeah. That needs to be a search term. Everyone knows. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> knows. I just, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. I was, it took me quite a while to read because I found, like, I found 
the tension building with the external threat quite hard but like and I and I had to go like this is a romance this is a romance she knows what she's doing and I didn't like I didn't feel unsafe at any point but I was like there was a level of tension that I was like I'm not quite at capacity to deal with but it was just amazing just absolutely amazing forbidden Um, you have to read yes that's that's, that's like that's coming definitely coming and then I was reading um I kind of went back to a bit of a like teenage yearning and I was reading Nora Roberts um okay. like her you know her suspense oh, nice. ones like her romantic they're not I mean like they're not romantic suspense as category but um uh-huh. this, it, there's something about those ones that remind me of when I was like 16 17 and I was like like burning through Tammy Hoag and Dan Brown and like that kind of sense of thriller but romance and there's something specific there's something about Nora Roberts those particular books that like taps into some weird key imprinted thing that was like you've got the female character is already a survivor she just doesn't know it and and the hero comes along and reminds her because she's already survived something horrific like in her backstory so but to see her kind of go on another reclaim like actually properly surviving she survived but she's not living now she learns to to like fight to live like it's just it's my cat amazing yeah yeah um so those are my last five and then on my tbr um i've got maya blake um bound by his rival's baby which just like i'm like it's gorgeous i loved it that one behind (laughs) you yeah i'm I'm really really looking forward to it like i haven't i think i've been like on a slight kind of presents hiatus for a while because i was a bit worried about how that would like influence my writing writing. and my thoughts um and i was quite sensitive to that and especially kind of coming from having edited it, it just i was i wanted a kind of quite clean clean break but i'm now getting back into it and i'm like yes Yes, the Ghanaian, Ghanaian setting. Yes, enemies to lovers. Yes, please. Old family <laughs> rivalry. I was like, "Come on, Maya Blake, <laughs> give us some more." <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then uh, I really want to get um, so the bad boy experiment by Reese Ryan. Oh yeah, I'm really oh. looking forward to that. Like, no. yeah, bring it like on in a big way. <laughs> <laughs> um, Carrie Nichols, um, the Sergeant's Matchmaking Dog. I think that might be a bit old, like a, a, one of her older ones. But like, I've I've had it on my TBR, and I cannot believe I haven't read it yet. So that's, that's so sweet. Really it's only like a year old, Pippa. It's not old. Well, yeah. I guess in category <laughs> terms, it is old. Yeah. But that's <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that because I'm like I'm I'm a sucker for a dog I really am like if I can get one in there if I can get a pet in to present like the one I'm (laughs) the one I'm writing now I'm gonna try and sneak in like a really evil man-hating hideous hairless cat yes oh yeah I'm just gonna hear this and be like what the hell Pippa no like what (laughs) editor if you're listening we want to see it okay yes we want (laughs) this as (laughs) readers um so yeah we'll we'll see how that whether that works or not um and they lived happily ever after by Therese Bahari I really want to read that like I've had like I've been I've been saving that one like for a while like that's that's my special treat. So I think I have to finish the book that I'm writing now, which is yeah, maybe, that's yeah. a treat book. I have I have treat books too. Those yeah. ones where I'm like, okay, we're gonna save this for when yeah. I absolutely need it. Yeah, and and, and yeah, I, I think there's 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 books that you save because you have to be in the mood, and then there's books that you save because you know that you need this as a reward. And that's yes, a yeah, yeah. Book. oh yeah. And then lastly, uh, Rachel Stewart's Secrets Behind the Billionaire's Return, which just sounds. 
amazing. I know. She's amazing. You know, we have to that, get you two on here together. Oh my god, oh, yeah. you'd be a nightmare. I'm sorry, but you, you you would just be like, oh, we'll just go, shall we? Like, Aaron's gonna <laughs> like introduce Aaron, Sarah, whoever is on here, and then you two can just talk <laughs> the whole time. But it would be terrible. We just be like, oh, and then there's that thing, and yeah, because we just don't actually talk. We just fin- we just it, like we know what we're saying. Yeah. To so you get yeah. these really truncated half sentences, and you're like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, like a bunch fine. of sticky notes on a board. <laughs> like, is the, is the recording just sticking? <laughs> no, it'd be funny. It'd be really good. We should do that one day, definitely. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I, I her her last romance was so emotional and good. Yeah. I'm like, okay, Rachel, like that yeah, do you have to so do you really have to like come on yes. come on like you know thanks make just sitting here sobbing in public it's fine <laughs> so when is alexander's book coming out august i believe so there's a little bit okay. of a wait um but yeah it's worth it hopefully it's gonna be worth it it's gonna be worth I it i know <laughs> i'm so excited <laughs> And then we'll go to Spain after that. Just exactly. Saying. I think we'll just all meet in Spain and, and <laughs> yeah, sangria great. and Hadron peppers and croquettes. Well, you'll have to come back food. in August. You'll have to yes. come back to wrap Very, this up. Absolutely. I will do that. And then we'll do again like five five that I've read and five on my TBR. Yes. See what we're at. I'm sure Nailini yeah. Singh will be on there again, but that's fine. Yeah, she I can just will be. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, let's just <laughs> I love that you like binged it like that. Like I love oh, when we God. find an author or a series and you're like, I can't not oh, yeah. read this. No, it was it I didn't watch TV for about three like months, like not even three months because it didn't actually take me three months it honestly really I read like I like was reading a book a day from her wow like I get up really early do my writing and then just be like right bye are you reading them all on kindle no so I won't read her on kindle okay you've been Um, buying them I'm yeah so I there are there are certain books that I won't read on a kindle and I like and it's not about what's disposable and what's not it's Mm -hmm. but it's like it's like the dvd box set you buy the dvd box set. well okay my generation buys the dvd box set. Yeah, yeah. Like, i have downstairs all of charmed i'm not gonna lie the first box i have set all the i love lucy's so like, it's fine i know and like 24 like ridiculous i had all of those um i have all the diehards we could really get into my bad tv <laughs> my bad film watching like we'd be here all day so but I feel like that's where I'm at with Nalini saying like her books are. They're yeah, my, they're my know they're, yeah, my my yeah. Harlequin orders are my my DVD box set. Yeah, like, I just have to wait for them to get here. But I'm going to buy those. Yeah, occasionally I'll also buy the ebook so I can like double time double team it. But yeah, I need those in physical yeah. copy. Yeah, and it's and it I find it a completely different. I mean, obviously it's a completely different reading experience. That's facile to say, and we all know that. But like, and my, my mum absolutely hates me because I fold a corner. Over and she's like you are a book heathen (laughs) you're committing (laughs) book abuse like just use a bookmark or just finish it like everyone else does a book heathen (laughs) i love that erin that's got to be on our next categorically romance (laughs) shirt (laughs) proud book heathens i'm like i don't i I do because i to me i want a book to be read i want it to be i want it to be loved yeah like 
Mm. I want to know where someone folded, like paused in their reading. I want to see the Chinese takeaway that ended up on like this page <laughs> because there was a shock that it fell out of their mouth or something. I don't know. But yeah, I'm like, I like to see the imprints of, 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 of readers and, and, yeah. and where we read our books because someone's going to come along after us and be like, yeah, I had that too. I find it or, appalling people that don't write, you don't draw hearts and write WTF on the page. Like it's your baby. <laughs> Baby, it's your book. Yeah, you know, there, was no, there was notes before Kindle. Like, yeah. you know, people got highlighted. Yeah. Like, some of my most valid books are from like A levels, where I actually was, you know, when you wrote the notes in the book, you underlined them, you highlighted them, you scribbled what it made you feel or what it made you think. And yeah, I like that. Well, tell everybody where they can follow you online. So I am on Twitter um, at Piperosco and on Instagram at Piperosco Author. I am occasionally on Facebook, um, but I'm so bad with Facebook. I don't know how to use it. So I occasionally post and repost and share things. But um, so if I don't get back to you, I'm really sorry. It's just because I'm an it. <laughs> it's not. It's not personal. Like I don't understand it. I still don't understand it. Um, and so I have I to say, you took some photos recently that were beautiful. Oh my god, my, yes. my brother-in-law! Oh, yeah. oh, he's he was such a lifesaver. So I got an email um, from the marketing department. We're like, oh, can we have a headshot? And I was like, the selfie, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that's, would be that's us. Really, that's really where I'm at. And they were like, mm, not so much. <laughs> so um, I called my brother-in-law, who is a fantastic um horticultural photographer and his name is Richard Bloom and he is award-winning so um I sprang it on him with about 20 minutes notice and was like oh by the way (laughs) you just do these amazing pictures of me um and I had like for four years I had the image in my head that I wanted him to do which was in front of the orange wall in the chair with a cup of coffee. This was mm-hmm. something I've been thinking about for ages. Um, and, and he just made it happen in the most amazing way. I, yeah. yeah, it was really cool. So I was very, very like, they're, they're stunning. And and they look like me as well. And you know what I mean? Like, they're like, you can see that that's me. It's, and there's something really lovely about that. So I'm really, really. So can I ask one more question for, yeah. to round us out I, here? I, mean, I promise, I promise this will be the last one. I was like, at this point, you know that I'll keep talking. So <laughs> <laughs> while we have you here um so like i said we we chatted recently an episode that's coming out we talked a lot about old presents and we learned a lot about just mills and boone in general how historical Mm -hmm. it is how and and presents sarah always talks about presents is what people think about when they think about harlequin mills and boone how does it feel for you to be contributing to something so historical and iconic i can't even like even i just the goosebumps that I get even thinking about it and I'm not lying like I can show you. (laughs) I think I was incredibly lucky because I was able to work with some of the incredible authors that are publishing now and um, I I cut my teeth with, uh, you know, as an editor uh, across all the series but I I was working on on Presents um, and I remember the first time I walked in, it's like my third day and I was like, we went to a cover meeting and I said, okay, so Lucy, who at the time, who is the um, the kind of assistant manager of the team, um, was like, oh, this is where we pick the covers. And I was like, what? I'm, so- I'm sorry? Like, we get to what? We? And I was like, practically like, 
exciting going, my God, I get to pick a cover and it's just, what? And obviously I didn't, like, that sounds really egotistical. I didn't actually get to pick a cover, but we did, we helped choose the covers and it was, it's incredible when, when you realise the legacy and the history of, of what the present sources are and have given to millions of readers around the world. And when you think about the like you can tell you can talk about the statistics about how many mills and boons are read or sold you know the, the add up to kind of going to the moon and back you know in a year or something in cra- crazy like that but it's the legacy of the writers and their stories and their romances and where they take the reader not physically but also emotionally I mean physically as in like from your armchair traveling to different destinations but also the subject matter that they've chosen to tackle like it it, you know that they've pushed boundaries that as a writer you you don't you don't necessarily think at the time a huge but actually you know think retrospectively a huge but you know when you think about the context of where they were writing and when they were writing you just think god that was you know you know the the shift from heroine point of view to dual perspective with the hero um the fact that we're now able to dip our toes back into single heroine point of view in a story Mm -hmm. the fact that they've tried first person point of view and presents and the the the, they're willing to experiment with these incredible kind of like narrative styles but you know when you think about like lynn graham and penny jordan and sharon kendrick and Maisie yates and like abby green and chantelle shaw and michelle smart and you know you think about these incredible writers that are coming up like Jennifer James and um you know even some of kind of the newer ones that still haven't yet to be published necessarily um I think I love that presents and and I'm not talking about presents as in it's the only series that does it because I think category romance is incredible in the way that it is able to convey in such a short word count like so much emotion and so much empowerment for their central characters you know whether they be male and female whether they be male male whether they be female female you know it's about I think the thing that I love about Harlequin Present or Harlequin Mills and Boone is that every single story is about love and it is about self-love as much as it is about love for another and I just I just yeah it's it's like you think about the legacy and the history of, of where it's been and you just think my god like I can't wait to see like where it goes to yeah yeah well we always love having you we can't wait well, to come back <laughs> I love being here as you can tell I don't stop talking <laughs> I'm gonna break That's the record. What we need. Like, I want to know podcast. I want to know what your longest podcast is, and I swear to God, I'll smash it. Like <laughs> I, will talk, I will talk longer and harder that than anyone is else. Absolutely fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, listeners, make sure you check the show notes, the links to all the places you can keep up with our Pippa Roscoe will be down there. Make sure if you have not read the first book in what what is what is our what's our series called? What is this series? I'm wanting to say Jet Set Billionaires. But that's not it. Uh, the Royals of Svardia would be the trilogy. Okay. If you have not read Freya's book, go read Freya's book. Keep an eye out on Merit's book. I'm talking about them like they're friends because I feel like they feel like they're <laughs> friends. They're, they are friends. Lycos, he had me crying here on the podcast. Read the books. Be ready for Alexander's book in August. We love it. We love everything that you do. And we just can't wait for you to come back. So thank we'll you. talk to you in our next episode, guys. Have a lovely day and thank you for listening. Bye.